0: I told you last week, you know, I was going to do a, uh, uh, today I was going to do a practical Christian living sermon, and so, uh, but I felt like that I should veer off course a little bit. Is that all right? And as I was praying, and I don't, now listen, I don't want to be, I don't want to sound like I'm uh, so super spiritual that you know, pastor seeing angels in his prayer closet and being levitated off the floor and all that stuff. That's, that's, not what I'm, that's not what I'm trying to convey. But I did hear the Holy Spirit speak to me this week about what I'm supposed to share with you today. I really did. And so, I'm going to veer off from just a normal pastoral sermon and tell you what I feel The Holy Spirit wants me to share with you today. Is that all right? Now, you know, I went to school for, um, let's see, I'm not bragging, I'm just bringing a point, okay? I think I went to school two, three, two years of Bible college, three years, five years of seminary, six years at AG. So there's about, I don't know, 13 years of school. And one of the things I learned in school is they would give you 10 books to read for one class. And I'm like, dude, do you realize I signed up for four other classes? You know, that's what I was thinking. Dude, give the brother a break. But that don't happen in school. You don't get a break, do you, Lewis? You don't get a break in school. But I've learned how to read books really quick. If I was doing a book report, I would read the first chapter. I'd read the last chapter and I'd read the middle chapter. <laughs> Therefore, I got the gist of the book. And sometimes, you know, uh, most of the time I would read all of it, but if I was in a crunch, I had to figure up techniques to really get the point of the book. And I know that some of us, you know, it's hard for us to listen to a sermon. You know, maybe your mind is wondering. So, the pastor's going to help you out today. I'm going to give you the gist of my sermon right now, in one sentence, and then I'm going to read you a few scriptures and give you a few points to build upon. Is that all right? So this is the gist of what I feel like the Spirit is saying to this church on this Sunday morning, on March the 24th, 2019, I feel like the Holy Spirit said to me, no joke, tell them the rain clouds are coming. I, I don't know if that really resonated because I think you've heard it before. And when you hear a message so much like familiar messages, you kind of you don't give importance to it cuz it's so familiar. But any time in scripture that you see rain coming, it was always a symbol of God's provision, God's protection and God's supply. If the rain stopped, it was a symbol that there was sin in the camp, and God would dry up the crops. And when the crops dried up, there was no food, no supply, no resources, and no provision. God would shut up the heavens because of some sin in the camp or the region. So therefore, God's judgment was, I'll close the windows of heaven and so therefore I'll dry up their resources so it will bring them to a place where they will acknowledge that I am God and Bell is not God. Does that make sense? So anytime it rained in the Old Testament, it was God's provision. They didn't have grocery stores like you and I have. They didn't have Piggly Wiggly. They didn't have Walmart's. They didn't have beanie weenies and they didn't have Spam. You had to go to the store. We have to go to the store and get our food. But back then, they got their food from the ground. And so therefore, it was so essential that if it rained, it rained enough to wet the ground so that the seed in the ground would begin to grow. If there was no rain, then the prophets would declare in the Old Testament that there is sin somewhere, and God is not going to send the rain unless the sin is taken care of. So therefore, in the Old Testament, years would go by, and years would go by, of famine and drought and dryness because people refuse to turn their hearts back to God so He would shut up the heavens and people would almost starve to death because they would not repent of their ways. But the prophet said in 1 Kings 18 that if you would repent and turn your heart towards God, God would open the windows of Gin and pour out a rain or a ladder rain. Do you remember what the prophet said? The prophet Joel said that he remembers that it used to rain in his day. It was called the former rain. He says, but in the last days, spiritually he says, God's going to do something where it's going to rain, the former rain and the latter rain is all going to rain in one month. You see, the former rain was was the the spring rain. And in Israel... Rain would always happen in different seasons, in different seasons of the calendar. The prophets and the people in in Israel could look at their calendar and they knew that by the the, the season that they're in that it was going to rain. And so therefore they knew that they needed to plant this here. They needed to plant this here. They needed to till the ground and prepare the ground because they know at a certain season It's going to rain. And so that's what they did in Israel. They knew that in the springtime, there was going to have a rain. So they would plant their seeds. They would till the ground and get the ground ready because they know that at the certain season, it's going to rain. The other rain happened in the fall of the year. That was called the latter rain. And the Jewish people understood that at a certain time in the fall, it was going to rain. There was going to be this big rainstorm for several days, several weeks. It was going to be enough to wet the ground so that the crops could grow and that their families could be supplied for and their families could be nourished. It was the former rain and the latter rain. The prophet Joel said he's familiar with that because he lives in Israel. But he said, spiritually speaking, he says God is going to do something to our land. He said in Israel, it would rain at the beginning of the year in the springtime, And at the end of the year, there was a latter rain. But Joel said, but I see something that's going to happen in the spirit world. And I see this. There's not going to be two separate rains. He says there's coming a day that God is going to open the windows and floodgates of heaven. And there's not going to be two separate rains. He's going to make it all rain all in one month. He's going to give you the spring rain and He's going to give you the fall rain. He's going to give you the early rain and He's going to give you the latter rain. He says, but there's something different about this. This time, all of the rain is going to come in one month. There's going to be a flood of the rain Of his presence upon the land, and ladies and gentlemen, I will stand to tell you that if you read throughout history, if you read at the turn of this century in the 1900s, you'll read that there was a great revival called the Azusa Street Revival, where great men and great women of God was on Azusa Street in Los Angeles, California, at a mission. History tells us that these people would gather together and they would sit in God's presence for hours upon hours upon hours until the presence of God came. There was multiplied thousands of people during those five years at the turn of the century at the Azusa Street Revival where multitudes of millions were baptized in uh, in the Spirit of God and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. History tells us that from that mission in Los Angeles, California, Thousands of people left that little mission on that street, went throughout the world because they were filled with the Spirit of God, spoke in languages, and began to go through every continent throughout the world, beginning to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to every continent is known to man. That revival is what birthed one of the greatest revivals ever known to humanity, the Azusa Street Revival. It was around 1904, 1905, also around the turn of the century, a man by the name of Charles Parham who was in Missouri preaching revival. As he was preaching revival, a little woman by the name of Mary Arthur was blind and she could not see. She came forward and Charles Parham laid his hands upon her and asked Mary, Mary, do you believe that Jesus is the great physician? Mary said, I believe. He laid hands upon her, anointed her with oil, and instantly both of her eyes were open and she was healed. Mary Arthur became so excited that Mary Arthur asked Charles Parham, she said, Charles, I live in Galena, Kansas, a little suburb of Joplin, Missouri. Do you think that you can come and preach in my town? Charles Parham said, Am I going to a church or am I going to a house? She said, What's well, my house? So Charles Parham went to her house right down the street here from this church. Mary Arthur opened up her house. And if you go to Joplin and you go to their archives, you can read about the revival. I read about it. Mary Arthur said that there was thousands of people who showed up in Galena, Kansas, on her front yard in her house, nowhere to contain them, They didn't have nowhere to put them. They were everywhere. And Charles Parham began to preach. Thousands began to get saved. Thousands were healed. Thousands were sanctified. It was a great revival. Joplin Globe, the the Globe in Joplin reported, one of the news reporters reported that possibly this could be one of the greatest revivals ever known to us since the day of Pentecost of Acts chapter 2. That revival in Galena also spread throughout this region. That is why you see lots of oneness Pentecostals. You see a lot of old school Pentecostals. It was a direct result of that great revival that was poured out at the turn of the century. And I've said this to say this, ladies and gentlemen, that God is not done with Galena. Did you hear me? I said God is not done with Galena. Now I know some of you look like you're on your phone this morning, you're not looking like you pay attention, but I want to just remind you again that the devil's a liar. God is not done with Galena, Kansas. I said, "God is not done with Galena, Kansas. We prophesy. We declare, we decree that this church was put here for such a time as this. And we pray, Lord, do it again, 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 do it again. You see, this is one thing that I realize. You see, well, Pastor, I've read it. Pastor, I've heard it all my life. Listen. Listen. There are some people that are so familiar with dysfunction, they're so familiar with dryness, they're so familiar with barrenness, they're so familiar with emptiness that they have formed their lives and they have formed systems to support their dryness, to support their barrenness, to support their emptiness. And they don't know anything else. That's why this preaching gets on their nerves because they've heard it all their life because they have built systems to support their dryness. But you've got to understand something. That you cannot be like everybody else. You've got to sense it before you see it. I didn't didn't become a pastor nine years ago. I was already a pastor when I was a child. Because I sensed it before I saw it. Sean didn't just become a worship leader a few years ago. As a child, he played the guitar. He, he sensed it. Before he... You just don't become a leader overnight. God does something in you before it becomes... Is that alright? How do I know that? Look at it. Hebrews 11 verse 3. Hebrews 11 verse 3 he said it like this. The writer of Hebrews was very clear that it happened. It happens. It hap- It has to happen inside of you before it happens on the outside. Look at it, verse three. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. In other words, the things that are visible was not constructed. By the things that are seen. In other words, faith is the ability to sense it before I see it. Faith is the ability to hang on when you are sensing it even before you see it. That the worlds were formed. Look, put it back up there. He said, He said, He said, those things which are seen. Look at it. He said, by the Word of God, so that the things which are seen were made of things which are visible. We're not made of things which are visible. He said the things that are visible did not make the things that are invisible. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, you've got to understand that what God wants to do first has to happen on the inside of you before you see it with the natural eye. You've got to learn how to sense it before you see it. You may see a Red Sea in your life, but I sense in my spirit that it is not a roadblock. It may be a drought, but it's not going to be a desert. It may be a trial, but it's only going to be temporary. It may be frustrating but it's not going to last forever. It may hurt you, but in the end, it won't hinder you. It may cut you, but it's not going to kill you. It may be painful, but it's not going to paralyze you. It may cause you to be slow, but it's not going to stop you. It may scare you, but it's not going to stop you. It may even burn you, but it's not going to break you. You've got to change your perception. I sense it before I see it. That what God does in the natural is a direct reflection of what you sense in the Spirit. And I'm letting you know today that what I sense in the Spirit, even though I don't see it with my natural eye right now, Pastor Larry, what I sense in my Spirit is greater than what you could ever imagine. What I sense in my spirit. Is there anybody in the building that say, Pastor, I sense it too. I sense it too. Is there anybody on this side that can say, I sense it too? Is there anybody over here that says, I sense it, even though I don't see it. I sense it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. The Bible says, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse number 42. The prophet said, he told him. He said, you, uh, the Lord said to the prophet, get up. He says, because there's going to be the sound of abundance of rain. And what does what happens was that uh, Elisha said to Ahab, he said, get up and drink and eat, for there is going to be the sound of an abundance of rain. He then further says this. Go ahead and the next one, please. He says. And Ahab went up to eat and drink. And Elisha went up to the top of the Mount Carmel. He bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. Now stop here. This is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me this week. Some of us are so distracted. You can't sense it. Nor can you see it. Because first, you haven't done what Elijah did. Elijah put his face between his, stop. When you put your face between your knees, you know what he's doing? He's covering up his. Elisha is saying, I don't have time to listen to all the negativity. i got to cover my ears so I can hear what my spirit is saying. And my spirit is saying there's rain coming. Everybody else says there's a drought. Everybody else is empty. Everybody else is barren. Everybody else is gossiping. Everybody else is complaining. Everybody else wants to throw up their hands up and say it's not worth it. He says, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put my face between my knees. I'm going to cover up my ears so I don't hear them because I want to hear what my spirit is saying. And my spirit is saying there is rain coming to this dry and empty place. And sometimes that's what you've got to do. Sometimes you've got to put your face between your ears, between your knees, and you need to drown out what everybody else is saying and hear what the Spirit is saying. Do you hear me? You've got to drown out what everybody else is saying. You've got to come to the place in your life that you are tired of being broke, busted, and disgusted, that you're tired of having church as normal, you're tired of just straggling through and struggling through life, that you've got to get a little bit of tenacity about you, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, put your face between your knees, and say, I'm not going to listen to the naysayers anymore because there's something on the inside of me that's saying there is rain coming to this dry and thirsty land once again. Is there anybody excited? Is there anybody that hears? There's an abundance of rain coming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know what? Hallelujah. Praise God. You know what happened? The prophet the prophet said there's rain coming. He puts his head between his knees, begins to pray. The Lord said, there's rain coming. He says, Lord, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see no rain. It's like Pastor Josh. Boy, he preached that there's rain coming, but I don't see it. Matter of fact, all I see is nothing.
1: So the prophet, the prophet sent his servant. The servant comes back and says, well, I, I don't see anything. But the prophet is telling the servant,
0: but I sense there's rain coming. The servant is saying, I don't see anything, dude. The church is still broke. People are still complaining. People are still acting crazy. But the prophet is saying, there's rain coming. You know what? You've got to have a leader who hears things that you don't hear. y'all hear what I just said? Because if you hang around, if you hang around with just the servant, the servant's always going to tell you there's nothing. But the leader, the leader will sense things that nobody else is sensing. And that's why sometimes you just got to trust. Sometimes you just got to trust leadership because they sense things That you don't sense. The servant said, There's nothing, there's nothing. But the prophet had his head between his knees, drowning out those voices and saying, But I hear there's rain coming. The servant says, There ain't no rain coming. He says, Just keep going back. Keep going back, keep going looking. And that's what I'm doing. I sense there's something's getting ready to happen. Some oh, hold on. Some folks, some folks are saying, Well, ha, you know, I don't know. But you know what I'm doing? I'm saying, let's let's keep going having a prayer meeting. Let, let's, let's just keep worshiping. Let's keep giving. And people are still saying, There's nothing. But but the prophet is saying. Just go back. Just go back. Just keep going back. The servant's like, dude, there there is nothing. But the leader is saying, but I sense something. I sense it. The servant is like, there's nothing, dude. Pastor, there's nothing. It's getting
1: worse. The sister Kathy...
0: I pray that God would raise up some leaders that can sense things that nobody else can sense. That will have enough tenacity and perseverance that will stand in the middle of drought. That will stand in the middle of barrenness. That will stand in the place of emptiness and declare that it must rain. It shall rain. That God is not done with us yet. He ain't done with us yet. The prophet said in the last days, there's coming a rainstorm. The former rain and the latter rain shall be poured out in one month. You, you You think I'm crazy? One in four Christians globally consider themselves charismatic. According to Philip Jenkins, According to the book called The Next Christendom, look it up, Philip Jenkins, said in his book that by the year 2025, the major movement in Christianity will be the Pentecostal charismatic movement. He likens it, hold on, he likens it to the Cinderella of the 21st century. Who is Cinderella? Cinderella in the fictional story was always in the story. She never got recognized to the end of the story. Philip Jenkins says what's happening is that the Holy Spirit's been ignored all these years. Churches have fought over the humanity of Jesus and they fought over the divinity of Jesus. They fought over who God is in relation to His Son. But very, very little has been focused upon the Holy Spirit. For instance, put the creed up there. Apostles' creed. Put it up there and let me prove to you this creed is thousands of years old. You'll see that even the early church didn't even focus on the Holy Spirit as much as they focused on God. The very first thing of the creed, this, is a, this, this creed is at least 1,500 years old. I believe in God the Father, the Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, His only Son, the most of the creed deals with Jesus. Next side, please. Goes He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, dead and buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, rose again, according, uh, rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven, seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. You see how much it's given to Jesus. Go on. I believe in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Christian Church, communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, resurrection. It doesn't say anything about the Holy Spirit. Because throughout 2,000 years in Christianity, we have focused on Jesus and God, and the Holy Spirit's been pushed to the side because we've been afraid of it. Churches now want the Holy Spirit, but they don't want the word Pentecost, so they just have a service called the Contemporary Service. So what I am saying is that the Holy Spirit is the Cinderella of the 21st century. The Holy Spirit's always been with us. He's always been in the narrative of the story. We just haven't really figured out how beautiful He really is until the end. And I'm telling you that right before the clock ticks, and right before it strikes midnight, right before Jesus returns, the Holy Spirit's going to slip on the shoe and He's going to walk into the church and there's going to be glory like you've never seen before. It's going to make... Is there anybody in the building that can say, Pastor, I'm with you. I sense it. Even though I don't see it, I sense it. That there is going to be a move of the Holy Spirit like there never has been before. Hallelujah! Come on, somebody give God praise right now. Remain standing. You see? Remain standing. Look
1: at it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I take this off? I know I'm sweating a little bit. Can I say something? In the story here, the servant comes back and what does the servant say? The last time he comes back, he says, well, he says, pastor, look at verse
0: 43, he says, he says go look again. Because sometimes you've got to do things again in life. Sometimes after you prayed, you've got to do it again. Sometimes after you have tithed and it didn't work, maybe you got to do it. Come on, somebody.
1: He He said, there's nothing. And seven times he said, go. Again,
0: how can you believe even when you see nothing on a continual basis? How strong is your faith to believe even when you see nothing working? Because even though you don't see it working, it is still actually working. Did you hear me? Even though you don't see it, it's actually working. I want to say this, and I want to say it loud and clear because I think it deserves to be said. That when you sense it and you don't see it, True faith and belief in Christ is really tested in the middle. Between sensing it and seeing it. It's what you do in the middle that really counts. Do you hear me? It's what you... You see, you have the first season called the not yet season. No rain. Not yet. There's no rain. Not yet. The not yet season. Then it goes from the not yet season to the not much season. Because you know what the not much season was? The prophet, the servant, came back and said, uh, well, he says, what did he say? He said, verse 44, then it came to pass the seventh time There is a cloud about the size of a man's hand. Here's the prophet. His head is between his knees. He says, I sense there's rain. I sense there's rain. I sense there's rain. Everybody else says there's nothing. There's nothing. But on the seventh time, the servant came back and said, Well, I see something little, but I wouldn't get your hopes up. It's kind of like church people. Well, there's tests twelve that went to enter a point. That's not much. That's the size of a little man's hand. Oh hold on, hold no! On. I've learned that in the seasons with God, I celebrate the little. You say, Pastor? My marriage is falling apart. Is it better today than what it was last week? Well, yeah, a little bit. Let's celebrate the little. <laughs> Can I hear an amen? My my finances, you know, it's not the greatest. Is it better than what it was last year? Well, yeah. Let's celebrate the little dude. Let's celebrate the little dude. Is the church as empty as it was two years ago? No. Is it as full as it can be? No. But let's celebrate the little. Let's celebrate the little. Can I hear an amen? Yes. I know some of you is about ready to have a nervous breakdown because of all the stress and the hell in your life. But let's just celebrate the little. You didn't have a nervous breakdown. You, he should have killed you while you had a chance. The servant comes back and says, Well, there's a little bit of rain. Well, there's about a cloud about the size of a man's head. And you know what the prophet said? I'm inferring here. I'll take that. The servant is saying, but pastor, it's not even raining.
1: It's just a cloud.
0: Pastor Elisha is saying, but that's all God needs. All He needs is just one little cloud to produce one raindrop. What you see as nothing... God sees it as a thunderstorm. Hold on. Other people can look at us and say, well, they're not as big or they're not as this or they don't, but that's all right because God uses little clouds. Can somebody help me out? God uses little clouds, He uses little insignificant things. He uses brokenness. He uses insecurities. He uses things that's so little, little is much when God is in it. You know what happens? Verse 44, then it came to pass on the seventh time, there is a cloud about the size of a man's hand rising out of the sea. He says, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot. And I'm telling you today that there's a little bit of clouds in the sky.
1: Just, just a little bit. As a matter of fact, some of you would miss it. Because it's so little. But since I'm the pastor,
0: I sense things that normally the servants don't sense. And I'm not saying that derogatory or to put anybody down, or exalt leadership. I'm just saying, as the leader, I sense there is something moving. And I have looked out in the clouds, and I see a cloud, and it's, it's not very big at all. Some of you probably don't even notice it. And there are
1: certain people, they're good people, They don't see it.
0: But I I sense it. And no matter how much I hear from people, there is nothing, there is nothing, or there is just a little. On the inside of me, I feel the Spirit of God getting up out of my position. Pointing my finger to you and telling you, go prepare your chariots. There, I said, there is a rainstorm coming. Go prepare your chariots. Go prepare your family. Because when the rain comes, it can do what you cannot do and say what you cannot say. It can fix what you cannot fix. The rain comes. He said, "Go prepare your chariot." Now it happened. In the meantime, that the sky became black, the clouds and the wind, and there was a heavy. There was a heavy rain. It It went from. A not yet season. No, no clouds. Nothing.
1: A not yet season. To a not much season. Just a little cloud. To a an abundant season where there was heavy rains. There
0: is nothing. There is a little hand, about the, there's a cloud about the size of a man's hand, and then there's heavy rain. The key is that when you're in the not yet season, that you continue to do what you know to do and do it again without losing faith. So that it goes to a little
1: hand, to an abundant. Do you sense the rain? I said, "Do you sense the rain?" The prophet said, "I we'll close." In the Old Testament, Moses would take blood or water and sprinkle it upon his people.
0: But Joel said in Acts 2, there's coming a day that he's not going to sprinkle any longer. For the spirit shall be poured upon you. Some of you need to have a fresh dose of power once again. Some of you too critical, you're complaining, griping won't submit. Get under the dose of the power of God. Die to yourself. Repent of your sin, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel again. Believe that Jesus is the only one that can save you and heal you and deliver you. Hallelujah. Believe the gospel again. I said believe the gospel again. Believe Jesus again. The Ethiopian, the Ethiopian man said, What hinders me to be baptized? Acts 8. And Philip the preacher said, If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And the Bible says the Ethiopian man said, I do, I do. And the, Philip the preacher took him down to the baptismal pool and they found water in a desert place, Gaza. How in the world is there water in a desert place in Acts chapter 8? There's no water in a desert place to baptize somebody. But that's what God does. God puts water in a desert place. And you know what? This church is going to be water. I said this church is going to be water in a what? desert place. Mark 6.31, I, I promise you, I'm, I'm just just letting it out. I'm almost. Mark 6 and 6.31, he said, Come aside to a deserted place. Some translation says a desert place. Mark 6.31, a desert place or a deserted place. You see that? He's getting ready to feed the 5,000. And he says to him, come to me to a deserted, some translation says desert place. Isn't it ironic that in the desert place, y'all hearing me? In the desert place, verse 39, Mark 6, 39, in the desert, because if you look at it, the rendering is a desert. In the desert, there's green grass. How is there green grass in the desert in Mark 6, How is there water in a desert place in Gaza in Acts chapter 8? Because God supernaturally has a way of refreshing His people in the times of desert places. God has a way of bringing refreshment when there is a desert place.